Welcome back. Welcome back, Kate. Welcome back. So this is another uh, long distance recording through Discord. So today we're gonna get into some some pro- uh, pretty pretty triggering stuff because this mm, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I went into this and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a nice little easy case for us, you know. It's kind of local, and by local, I mean it's within the same state. It's in downstate Michigan. We're not in <laughs> downstate down- Michigan. No. It is a solid, probably six and a half hours away from us. <laughs> but it can stay um, there. Yeah. Well, so we are doing the case of... So this one goes by a lot of different murders. Uh, murders. <laughs> a lot of different Names. names. For the murders, it's most common and commonly known as the Ypsilanti Ripper. Be, but this one also happened before they kind of had the, the term serial killer. So they just straight up also called it the Michigan Murders and Michigan Murderer and the co-ed killer. And this dude, technically the co-ed killer before Ed Kemper. Because oh. Ed Kemper happened in the 70s. This happened in the late 60s. Okay. And I thought the that was kind of co-ed killer. interesting. But I feel like a lot of people just get called the co-ed killer. And that just basically means he was killing female college students. Right. So it's also known as the Ann Arbor murderers because Ypsilanti and Ann Arbor are basically right next to each other. So this is the story of John Norman Chapman, but he's also known as John Norman Collins because he ended up changing his name to be of his father's versus, uh, I think he changed it to his stepfather's rather than his biological father's name. Okay. He was born in 1947 um, in Canada. Uh, And you don't really hear a whole lot of stuff about his early life because i mean at that point it was like right off of world war ii so obviously we could assume his father could have served basically we could assume that he had some traumas from having a family member serve in world war ii and all of that kind of stuff so not a whole lot about him we do know that he eventually had moved to the ypsilanti area uh, he had family there. His uncle was, he was a sergeant for the state police. He kind of comes in later because it's uh, pretty important to how he was arrested. So he was only about 20 years old when the first victim and the first murder happened. So the first victim, her name is, now fucking Forgive me for these pronunciations. I wish we could play the game, but you can't play the game because you can't see my notes. But we technically uh, could. You could send me a picture, but that's far too long for me to wait. So give it your best shot. <laughs> I, I feel like it's a Scottish name. I think it's Flasier. It's F-L-E-S-Z-A-R. Flasier seems. F-L-E-S-Z-A-R. Z-A-R. Fuck if I know. Mary was only 19 uh, years old when she was last seen alive uh, on the evening of July 9th, 1967. And her neighbor had seen her like walking to her apartment. The same neighbor had also seen like around the same time 
because, you know, this was like the time where a lot of people took nightly walks. He saw a, a young man in a blue-gray Chevy. They don't really specify if it was a truck or if it was a car. I okay. feel like it might have been a truck. I feel like it might have been. I feel like the Chevy would have probably done a little bit more trucks. I don't mm-hmm. know car history. This would be a good question for Teddy. This would be. He <laughs> just pops into the other Discord just to see <laughs> I'm going to assume that it was probably a pickup truck. Because, I mean, it was Michigan, and that's around a lot of farmland. Being from lower Michigan, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain it was probably a truck. And this neighbor saw this guy pull up next to Mary. Like, they kind of had some words, and then, like, Mary would just, like, keep walking, and he'd, like, kind of pull up against, like, pull up again to her, and, like, so they would both stop and talk, and then she'd, like, shake her head and keep walking. So it clearly showed that, like, she was just not interested in talking to this guy, and he just kind of kept trying. Okay. And then that was the last time that she was seen alive. Uh, Her nude body was found by two 15-year-old boys at an abandoned farm in Superior Township. Okay. On August 7th. So basically a month later. Right. Um. They only were able to identify who she was through dental records because that's how decomposed and kind of mutilated her body was. Which, for the time, I'm kind of impressed that dental records were that far. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really know that much about that era. I'm History is not really a strong suit for me. Unless I'm researching a topic, I don't really know a whole lot about it. So Right, like they had x-rays and everything like that. The way that they would be able to do like quote-unquote dna evidence they were basically just looking for if blood had the same blood type okay that was the best that they could that do was blood type they that was they yeah. could confirm it's very likely it's this person but they couldn't definitively say right they could just be like well we found well this person is this blood type but we found this blood type with you so like that's the only way that they were able to really do that okay. still still impressive but again, with how many, like, if it's an A positive blood type, like I am, that's super fucking common. If it was someone with like typo, then I could be like, all right, that's really narrowing it, uh, narrowing it down because not a lot of people have that blood type. Right, but depending on how the- populated of an area you're in, it becomes a lot right. more likely to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. So. The pathologist that worked on the case determined that Mary had been stabbed over 30 times in her chest and abdomen. Um, Her feet had been severed just above the ankle. And then on one hand, the thumb and the pointer finger had been, like, completely severed and cut off. Random. Yeah. On the other arm... Her forearm was missing, like, so the hand was there and everything else was there, but just the forearm was missing. Like, was, um, and was, uh, obviously the hand in that would have to be detached, but, like, did they try yes. and, like, sew it back on, or did they just, like, get rid no, of it? No, it was just next the to the there? body. Yeah, they just took the forearm and left everything else with it, but they Random. didn't find the missing fingers, they didn't find the missing forearm, like, they just couldn't find any of this and it never really got answered to where they went or why 
that happened to them. They seem like some very bizarre trophies to me, like the most random mm-hmm. choices. I can understand things like, um, wasn't it Ed Kemper that said that he felt like the head was the most beautiful part of a woman and that's why that was his trophy? Yeah. So, like, yeah. does he really like fingers and forearms? They never found him. They never found any evidence that he had them. So, here, here's the thing. Um, I'm going to go along a lot of murders that happened, but they aren't all, like, they're credited to him, but they're not officially his. There's Except no, for like, like undeniable one. So proof that he did it. He only got charged with the last murder, but because of motive, how they were killed, where they were found, um, and all of that kind of stuff is why they kind of link him to these. And then I'll kind of get into it, but they are doing DNA evidence currently. On some of these past murders, and they have found some stuff, but I'll get that into that and towards the end. And, and when did these murders originally happen? Because that's like years between 1967 and 1969. Okay, so, so like 60 years over, later. yes, basically almost mm-hmm. because the, these murders are older than Steve. <laughs> Steve was born in 69, my mom was born in 66. So, uh, back to Mary's murder. So, obviously, they never found the body parts. Um, They found abrasions, like, all over her body. So, it kind of showed that she had been, like, horribly beaten before she died. She also showed signs of being raped because they were able to find semen in her. But, obviously, they couldn't... They couldn't test it at that time. They couldn't test it and, you know, link it to anybody. But evidence showed that her body had been moved within the same field um like three different times it showed they found like uh some of her blood with the same blood type so they kind of assumed okay under a tree with a bunch of broken glass and then she was like dragged through rocks and she only got moved like a few hundred yards from like where she originally was but she they were still able to determine she got moved which makes all the difference in a murder investigation Mm -hmm. And it's weird that it happened three times, but never left that field. Hmm. Now, here's the fucking kicker. And this is where the first murder, and I do think that John did this murder. And I don't think they've done any DNA testing on this one. So this one, I don't think is officially attested to him. But it's just, it's so up the alley and there's so much evidence pointing towards that it was him that they basically were like, okay, this is unofficially, officially his murder. So two days after Mary was identified, a young man went to the funeral home that she was being prepared at and said that he was a family friend of her family and that he wanted to take a picture of her body as a keepsake for his parents. What? (laughs) And then when he was told, like, yeah, that can't fucking happen because you got to think this girl, like... They couldn't do an open casket. There was right. nothing left right. to really do. And, he's and like, at oh, that point, I would have just done a, a cremation. Yeah. And he's like, and this is a quote from what the funeral director um, said that this man had said to him. Uh, you mean you can't fix her up enough just so that I can get one picture of her? 
There's not enough of her left, buddy. No. And when he was denied again, he kind of stormed out of the funeral home. Um, and was seen getting into a blue-gray Chevy. How convenient. Right. So, that's kind of where Mary's case ends. Um, I'm pretty sure that they did link her murder to him. But okay. again, it was so long ago. Like, they're not going to add this charge to him. He's... It's not really worth Even, it. Yeah, right. July 5th, 1968, so a year later, Okay. the body of 20-year-old Joan Shell was found at a construct, uh, by construction workers along an Ann Arbor roadside. Okay. She had been raped, uh, stabbed 25 times. Several of the stab wounds were found to have punctured her lungs, her carotid artery, and then one also went in behind her left ear and completely fractured her skull. Oof. Her throat had been slashed from ear to ear. Her mini skirt had been tied around her neck. And the roadside was very close to that farm where Mary was found. Okay. So police kind of connected the two murders and they offered up uh, $7,800 as a reward to any information that would lead to the conviction of a murderer. Okay. And that's a lot of fucking money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> even even today, it feels like a lot of money. And this was almost 60 years ago. Let me do a quick Google search to see how much that would be. That would have been like... <laughs> wow. That would have been like $68,000 for us. In today's money. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of fucking money. And it just kind of showed how... That's like oodles more than worried. my house is worth. <laughs> more than what mine's worth. But it's like, it, it it just shows how worried the police were about finding this guy. Because these were brutal murders. Right. And then... March 20th, 1969, a girl named Jane Mixer went missing after posting an ad for a ride to her hometown of Muskegon. Now, I used to live 30 minutes from Muskegon, Ooh. and Muskegon's on, like, the complete opposite fucking side of the state from right. Ann Arbor. So that's a long drive. That's easily four and a half to five hours. Her body was found clothed. It was also found covered with her rain jacket and her copy of Catch-22. An autopsy showed that she had been shot in the head twice. Uh, evidence had also showed that she had not been sexually assaulted, but her tights had been pulled down to her ankles, showing like the intention of a sexual crime. But she had a period pad on, and they think that that's what deterred her from mm. being raped. Okay. Um... The only thing that was linking her to the other murders was the fact that a garment of clothing had been tied around her neck. Did you mention what what it was of hers that was tied around her neck? I They didn't really mention what it was, but I'm assuming it was probably like a scarf or something. Okay, so it was just it was something of hers which had happened in the other ones. Yes. Okay. So they're just trying to link a motive at that point. They they still don't really have right. any concrete evidence. No, and the fact that she had been shot then stabbed, so it was the fact that it was there was only that garment involved is what tied him. Um, four days after Mixer's body was found, a surveyor discovered the nude, mutilated body of a teenage girl laying on a blue jacket behind an abandoned house, just a few hundred yards from where the body of Shell had been found. 
uh, um, months earlier. What? So they're all being dumped in like this same fucking area. I think the only I mean, one that wasn't that's a was motivating factor for the police to be like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe they are related. I can understand that. Yeah. So she would be identified as Marilyn uh, Skelton. And an autops- autopsy revealed that the victim, that she had died of numerous fractures covering one third of her skull um, and the side of her face. Okay. Um, the killer had shoved part of her skirt into her trachea to muffle her screams, and a lot of the other victims had like their underwear shoved down their throat or had been shoved some, some sort up of their vagina. Something. Hers is probably one of the worst murders because of how much she went through when she was still technically alive. Okay. So part of her skirt was shoved into her basically just down her throat um she had several deep lacerations um and then police believed that these had been made with like a leather strap evidence also showed that she was whipped with the leather strap because she just had welts like all over her body okay and then this motherfucker grabbed a tree branch and shoved it eight inches into her vagina what? So she ended up dying from a mixture of like the head injuries and the strangulation, but a lot of the injuries that she received, she was still alive for. So it was a lot of torture for sure. Mm-hmm. And she was only 16 years old going through sucks. that. I really wish I could say more than just that sucks, but like that sucks. It, yeah. The final murder that kind of happens, and this is the one that he and that John gets charged for, happened July 23rd, 1969. 18-year-old Karen Beinman was reported missing by her roommate. Okay. So three days after being reported missing, a new body was discovered face down in a wooded gully alongside the Huron River Parkway. And then she was identified to be Karen. Autopsy showed that Karen had been extensively beaten around the face and the body. Um, some lacerations that had been inflicted being so severe that like part of the skin was like removed and you could see down to the bone she had received extensive skull and brain injuries caused by a blunt object but they could never figure out what that object was and they never found it she had also been forced to ingest a caustic substance which basically is caustic would be like drano or bleach or like anything it's just a chemical that like if come in contact with your skin it would give it a really bad chemical burn so it's not quite acid but it's enough to cause a painful reaction and she was caused uh she was forced to ingest that and then they also found the chemical burns on her neck her shoulders her nipples and breasts um she also so basically, like, all over her body, she had these burns. Oh, man. She also had a cloth shoved down her throat to, again, muffle screams. Mm-hmm. She also ended up dying of a of strangulation and the blunt trauma. It was just kind of a mixture. She had been raped. Her torn underwear had been shoved inside of her, her vagina, but it was also just, like, absolutely covered with semen and blood and hair Mm-mm. that was blonde, but hers was brown. And the the hair is also kind of how they identified okay. um, John say, being the that's killer a bit of evidence. because it was the same same color because her was was like a dark brown and his was like a lighter blonde. Okay. So 
the last place that Karen had been seen was going to a wig shop with a man. And the people who had witnessed that, obviously, they like police talked to them and they were able to come up with like a suspect sketch. Okay. People from the other murders were able to do a suspect sketch. And a lot of people, when asked, like, hey, do you recognize this person when they were going around, like, showing the sketch to people? And they're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's John, John Chapman or John Collins. And they put him in a lineup and they had some of the witnesses come in and they were able to point him out as being part. Like okay. uh, probably like most probable person to have been with Karen the last okay. day that she was seen alive. Okay. So <laughs> mentioning that uncle from earlier, so he was kind of taking care of his uncle uncle's house because they were on vacation because they, they were like, "Hey, like come feed my German shepherd. I want you to feed it." And when they had come back. The his aunt had like realized that there was a lot of stuff. Um, there was like ammonia missing, laundry detergent, some black spray paint. There's like a whole bunch of stuff in their basement that looked kind of sketchy. So it, his I uncle, mean, being the, a the police officer, stuff, that's yeah, some pretty caustic stuff. That's mm-hmm. kind of lining up with the evidence they found so far. The uncle went to the local police because he was state police and, like, this was kind of still a local matter. It was like, hey, like, my my nephew's kind of doing some sketchy shit, like, while I was gone. And, my, like, just come take a look at my basement. I want, like, to make sure that I nothing is, yeah, no, nothing's wrong doing here. And when they got to the basement, they found, like, a whole bunch of hair clippings found beside, like, the washing machine and like the police thought that was like really weird but then it turned out that like the ants regularly clipped their kids like hair so it it seemed weird but that one thing was actually kind of right but it was this this right but it was the same color because since they're all related they all had like blondish hair and that's why they were like whoa um so that was kind of ruled out but then they found like nine different areas of the basement that had blood stains oh and then two of the blood stains were discovered to be type A, which was the same blood type that Karen had. Okay. Um, and then they took the hair from the panties that were found in, inside Karen, and then they took the hair that was found in the basement, and they kind of, like, looked at them. They're like, okay, well, these are, like, very fucking similar. Right. So they couldn't prove if it was exactly John's, but they knew, like, it came from somebody who was in that household. Right. Because Karen wasn't found in the basement, obviously. Ultimately, everything at this point was lining up that it was very likely that these things happened in that basement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what they think is that these women were murdered in the basement and then dropped off in this farmland area. Just dumped out there. Right. Since they only had the hair and blood and all of that matching Karen, that's the only one that they were able to go after him for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they arrested him and it went to trial. During the trial, it kind of came out that the victims were killed in the basement and that he forced his roommate that he had to give up a false alibi when he was uh, when the roommate was being questioned. 
because obviously like if you're leaving in the middle of the night and then coming back and like obviously you're covered in blood because I'm sure he wouldn't be smart enough to shower at his uncle's house. Right. So they're like, that's a little sketchy. So August 1970, Collins was found guilty of first degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. How old was he at his sentencing? Uh, let's see, in 67, he was 20, so... 23, 24, still young. Still pretty young. Okay. Though I also found, like, some kind of conflicting things, because there were some people that were saying, or some sources that were saying that he was 30 at the time of the first murder. I mean, I'm going to say that he was probably pretty young, and I'm going to go with, like, the birthday that I was able to find. Because, like, the birthday okay. was consistent, but, like, it just seemed like people couldn't do the math, right? Math was hard. It still is. <laughs> right. He was asked if he had any last things to say before he was, like, technically sentenced. Okay. And... I'm curious. And he said, I have two things to say. I think they, the jury, tried to give me a fair trial. The jury did not take this task lightly, but I think things were blown out of proportion. The circumstances surrounding this case prevented me from getting a fair trial, and it was a travesty of justice that took place in this courtroom. I hope someday it will be corrected. Secondly, I never knew a girl named Karen Beinman. And I never had a conversation with her, and I never took her to wig shop. I never took her to my un- uncle's home. I never took her life. He was then informed by the judge after that that if the juror's verdict was wrong, the error would be corrected in like due course. Okay. At first, he was sentenced, like before he had the life term, he was sentenced to hard labor in a solid- solitary confinement prison in southern Michigan. Okay. Didn't know that was a thing. Well, I yeah. suppose it probably was at that time. <laughs> And they they did try to appeal a couple of times, um, saying that he was like wrongly identified and that they wrongly charged with it. Falsely accused, all that business. Yeah, fal- yeah. Here's the thing: in California, there was a murder that happened that had very similar facts that shared with the same kind of evidence and all of that kind of stuff that happened in Michigan. And her name, the victim's name was Roxy Ann Phillips. Okay. And they kind of, I don't know when he was in California. I don't know when that murder took place in California, but California was already like, they were like, hey, we think this person committed also this murder this we, one, yeah. like we want him and then they saw that he got life in prison in michigan and they're like you know what he's already serving life we're just gonna drop it so they just right. completely didn't charge him with this other murder and i feel like that they don't know if he actually did it but that family didn't get their justice at all because who knows if john actually was the one that yeah, killed it, this it woman might have and been somebody completely, completely different it. yeah mm-hmm. in 1977 collins was transferred to marquette prison hmm. and that's because the the prison that's in marquette is um pretty high it's a high security level prison um <laughs> And he got sent there because he kept trying to run drug rings at the other prisons that he was in. What? And then he also tried to escape with another um, prisoner, but he ended up breaking his foot and getting caught. So they're like, okay, you're going, you're going to like a more high security prison. <laughs> That's it. Go to cold land. <laughs> um, and it, it just, he just seems like he's, 
he's always getting busted for having drugs and all of that kind of stuff. He's like 76 now. Jesus. He's still alive. Um, he's still alive. And you'll have to like look at a picture of him because he you you can just see that look in people's eyes when you know that they've done something like really fucking bad and they just look really dead inside and that's just how he looks. <laughs> I mean, but he, he's still kicking, and I think he's okay. been What's moved back name? down. I'll get you a, a reaction. What what am I looking at? John Norman Chapman, and you could actually like, I found a thing to where you can see if he has any like things that he can't do in prison and all of that kind of stuff, like restrictions and all of that kind of stuff. And you get the same look when you're depressed, though. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. that's the face of a man that just doesn't give a shit anymore and then i'll also send you this picture so then you can kind of see how close these women were all found within like a vicinity oh wow yeah so they were all yeah like, so right they next were to each other and then i believe i also missed a murder and there was another murder of don that was found i believe on there yeah pretty sure obviously she was probably killed in the same matter so in 2005 they decided to do because michigan kind of went through this phase of where they're like okay we're gonna take a lot of these people that we don't know who the murderers are and we're gonna go in through and take all the dna evidence that we can because you know dna evidence does deteriorate over time mm -hmm. if it's not stored properly and like obviously it was from the end of the 60s like it's it, it it was kind time was ticking on it um so they did a dna test and ran all the dna on jane mixer okay and she ended up being taken off of colin's victim list because dna evidence didn't match colin's okay but however they did find the person who murdered her. They arrested 65-year-old former nurse Gary Litterman, and he was sentenced to life. So they were able so to they... prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was him instead, or was they were just able to yes. match that DNA to him? He had blood or something like that, so I think there was a little bit of a struggle before. So they found some of his blood on her? Yes. Okay. So his DNA made it onto her, and he Gary was sentenced to life for her murder. So... That family waited for a while, but they, they ended up getting justice, and, you know, they took I mean, that, that off point, of... he was late in life, though. You said he was, like, 69? Mm -hmm. 65. 65. So, like, that's... He I mean, thought yeah, he got away for it. your grandbabies grow up. Of what... Right. But he thought he got away from it, and yeah. then they just were like, hey, by the way. <laughs> so, Collins is currently... Serving out a sentence, he's in G. Robert Cotton's correctional facility. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that that's the uh, the same facility that I believe Tommy was talking about, that a prisoner like tried to eat a guard or something like that. I think so. I think so. It was very many days ago. It was like last week, so. Yeah. But here's the thing. He gets a lot of people who write to him. What? And they're and they're mainly women trying to get love notes from him, and I just I don't I don't get it. I really I don't. 
and he still continues to claim innocence over any of the murders. And, you know, you never know. It's just with how old those murders are, but without a doubt, he definitely killed at least Karen. But, yeah, that that, I mean, that was the Delaney uh, Ripper. <laughs> looking at some of the pictures from when he was younger, I can totally see why some of them would be writing to him. Not now, though. But not now. Because, <laughs> oh man, does he... He did not age well. He could have aged worse. Yeah. So, that was the Ypsilanti Ripper. Um, yeah. I don't really have an interesting or funny way to wrap this up today. No, no. It's... It's been a pretty heavy bit for me. So we're just going to wrap this up quickly. Uh, Mm -hmm. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Um, You'll always get your little sneak peek into what the next episode is going to be. If you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, links down below. Feel free to answer a question on whether or not you've got any tips or advice or if you've got cases you want researched. We will see you guys next week for the matinee. Bye. Bye.